Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of all marketing school certification. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello team and welcome back to the Make an Impact Show. This episode, we bring you an old friend of Creative Impact. I have known Tally, our guest, for a long time and it's been amazing to see her development and as many of us, she has been on Instagram since 2015. So you can imagine there's been a lot of changes going through when it comes to her mission and how she shows up on social, especially what she's passionate about, which is intuitive movement, understanding the fitness industry and also how it interplays with social media. And this is really one of the different things we're going to explore today. We're going to have loads of fun. I'll be honest, we're going to go on a lot of tangents, but that's how we roll, especially Tally and I. Also, if you want to find out more about Tally, Tally was part of our digital magazine, The Spring Issue. So if you want to read more about her power songs, some of her favorite books, then all you have to do is go to creativeimpact.group slash magazine to get your spring issue copy right this moment. Before we jump on, as a reminder, if you don't know Tally, she's a personal trainer who specializes in intuitive movement and helping people have a positive relationship with exercise. She's also a podcast host, content creator, and author of Train Happy and Train Happy Journal. Now, let's hear it out from Tally. It's going to be great fun, and we really hope that we can shift your perspective around movement, what intuitive movement is, and how to embrace a massively positive change in the fitness industry and beyond. We're live. Okay, we're live. One, two, three, check. How are you, Tally? I'm really good. Thank you, Fab. How are you? I'm I'm not impressed with, with the weather today. I would have loved for a bit of sun and joy, but I know you were even actually caught up in the rain, so maybe I shouldn't rub it in too much, should I? Yeah, it's British winter time. I mean, I my expectations are low, but we've been having the f- lulled into the false sense of secu- security of some sort of spring. But no, it's still February. Still got to embrace embrace the rain. <laughs> 
Yeah, sadly, the time of recording is a very, very February, February. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's kind of like this part of me that actually enjoys a bit of that retreating and hibernation. I think the last couple of years, usually I resist it. I don't like it. This last couple of years, I was like, ah, I'm embracing the slowing down. I don't know if you feel the same. You've been really busy as well. So I appreciate that probably there's been a lot on your plate. But I don't know, that sense of hibernation and cutting back a bit. I'm done for that. Yeah, I'd say definitely need to slow down more these days. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, because we've been through a pandemic, what it is, but I do notice like I need to have more quiet days in my diary where I can just sort of be. Um, So I have the kind of energy and clarity to focus again, especially in a work sense. I find like my creativity often comes when I've had a chance to relax or if I'm, and sometimes when there's too much on and too much pressure, um, I, I'm, I freeze. So, and I feel overwhelmed. So I'm definitely trying to bring that forward. And yeah, I'm, I'm less good at maybe multitasking like I once was. I don't know about you at all. I felt for a very long time that that was a bad thing. Because obviously it's like, oh, multitasking, it feels kind of good on, on paper. Then maybe because I wrote a book about reclaiming time, I actually had to learn the bitter truth about single tasking. And it is better. And we I think we intuitively know it. But until we actually see the difference, we're like, oh, that's how my brain works when I give time to focus on one thing at a time. So thank you for mentioning that as a good reminder. I find that sometimes it's a badge of honor and it shouldn't be. It's actually good to be able to single task a bit more. Yes, definitely. And definitely have felt the need to you know be super productive all the time and constantly be working through my to-do list or whatever but sometimes I just know that some days I'm going to be that's fine other days are going to be slower and I need to work at a different pace and not beating myself up for it knowing that like that's okay you know and and not being like I constantly have to be on it 24 7 that's definitely helped me a lot in so many aspects of my life. Awesome. I'm putting a pin on that because we might come back to that. There's a couple of things that might relate to this. But first, Tani, not that we need any breaking of ice. We've gone a long way. It's kind of weird when I talk to people that I've known for a long time and you're like, yeah, it's been a long time. Don't ask us how, how long, kids. I don't remember. It's been a couple of life cycles ago, isn't it? We could go back to probably like 2016, if not 2015. I think so. Exactly. And this is why when I know someone, I already start thinking, maybe I know the answer to some of these questions. I've got three questions for you. And usually it's this first one that I kind of like, hmm. So I'm really excited about this one, Tally. Ready? Okay. So what is a trigger category that you'd be really good at and why? A trigger category? It can be any trigger category. It doesn't have to be the the like you know the usual ones that you will think about it can be an unconventional one as well what's a trigger i'm confused what a trigger category is you know trivial pursuit like you have sports you have entertainment you have oh oh, yeah oh something i'd be really good at musicals i know my musical theater i was hoping for that one okay oh good (laughs) (laughs) woof awesome what uh what are your top three because I'm pretty sure somebody else will have the same. My top three musicals. Well, it's got to be number one is Wicked. That was my gateway drug and I know other words and I love it. My second is probably going to be Hamilton because once again, it's phenomenal and 
I'm I just love it on like a whole other level and I've got a current obsession like a read of like a rediscovery of, of a, an obsession I probably had like 10 years ago for Legally Blonde the musical it's the most fun musical ever and if people haven't seen the musical compared to the movie like it does it justice and then some like it's funny the songs are clever it's like catchy it's got everything well now i'm excited because i didn't even know it was a thing so i'm definitely gonna check it out and there's gonna i was literally looking at tickets with my friend today there's gonna be a revival in london at the open air theater at regent's park and i'm gonna be there with my tickets front row singing along and i recommend everyone go if they just want to like leave with a massive smile on their face i love that now my second question maybe it's related to this obviously it's slightly different, but you know, maybe it's related to your to your passion for musicals. We'll see. Um, can you think of and tell us more about the first job you had, and also what did you learn from it? Okay, well, my my first job had nothing to do with musicals. I was a sales assistant in a shoe shop and I used to sell shoes and I did a lot of children's shoes, like school shoes, and I loved that job. I loved I loved all my retail jobs. I had a few, maybe th- I had three sort of retail jobs whilst I was a student and I loved all of them and always wanted to give 110% to those jobs, even though I was like 17 at the time I started. Um, that job, what did I learn? I think I learned, I learned how to measure children's shoes, which I do think is really handy because I was with my nieces a few weeks ago and I was like, I can measure their shoes for them if you want. I can, we can check that they fit. I still remember how to like get them to fit properly. So that's a good life skill. And I think I learned how to, to, you know, customer service and and talking to people and talking to strangers. And, you know, I do that all the time. And, you know, I've always been quite natural with it. I'm quite an extrovert. I, I like people, but yeah, that was my first time sort of working with the public it's interesting because I was going to ask you whether you were naturally quite extroverted because a lot of people I talked about funnily enough found themselves in a customer facing job when they first started and it was not their tea so it really pushed them outside of their comfort zone oh I I always loved it and I remember then I worked in a kitchen shop where we sold quite nice kitchen wear um and that's another thing that I've taken with me like I know a good pan when I see it I know good knives when I see it it's like weird things I know about and I remember a customer kind of came in and said to my manager because I was 18 when I had this job like oh she can sell ice to the Eskimos that one and I was like yes yes I can I was really good at it and once again I took massive pride in being really good and you know, I did just as my sales were just as good as the managers. And, you know, I loved it. I fully felt part of the team there. I love that job. So I've, yeah, I've always been quite extroverted and I I like being around people. So I, yeah, I'm not, (laughs) there's rare times I can be introverted, but 90%, 95% of my life is like, let me chat to strangers. <laughs> that is something that for half of my life, I completely, <clears throat> excuse me, shied away from like running away from it. And then the thing for me was adulthood is like, you actually have to pick up the phone sometimes and have a conversation with somebody because you have to. And then there's something's flipped. And I think I'm one of those people that sadly wasn't as much of a natural. I'm, um, you know, the introverted extroverted. That's what they call yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. That's me. You wouldn't say, because I genuinely, I think I'm as 
funny and kind of energetic as you you hear me, hello, or you see me. But also, I like <laughs> just to be on my own. I like to talk. You know, yeah. I like the space where I'm not talking to people and and be on my own. And you wouldn't say that about me. So, it's, and again, it, sh- it shines obviously, if, dear listener. If you do follow Tally and you've been following her along, you can see in your content in the in the way that you naturally pose yourself. I think it's people are seeing a lot more these days. You know, whereas before you could maybe like not guess it even just from a screen. I think maybe because we spent so much time on screens <laughs> for a long, mm. long time. And there's so much now, like with the shift to doing more video content, I think some people love it, some people hate it. I really am happy to do it. Like the reason I know a lot about musicals, everyone, is because I went to drama school. So I planned to be on the stage at one point. I planned to sing, dance and act for a living. And so, you know, being in, being on camera, doing all those things, I really enjoy doing it. I find it fun. And and I think, you know, I I saw someone recently talk about this on TikTok, like another creator just saying like, actually, a lot of people think creating is a really easy job. It's really easy to like run an Instagram account. And I do think it depends kind of what category you kind of fall under within the content creator space, you know, easier for some than it is for others. Um, I think it's objectively maybe easier than say a, a key worker job like working for the NHS. But I also think that they were saying like it takes a certain type of person to be able to create every day to make videos, to talk confidently and clearly and concisely and, you know, be open with their life and and be relaxed in front of a camera. I think so many people get up to do presentations at work, stand in front of a camera and they like freeze up. And it was interesting, I was hosting a retreat a few weeks ago and I wanted the the girls who kind of came along to the retreat, I, I had this idea to do a reel with them. So like a fun Instagram reel. I thought this is a fun way to like show what we got up to rather than just do the same old, same old. This will be fun. And they had like this basic move to do and uh, so many of them kind of froze up in front of the camera or I, they it just didn't occur to me sometimes that that's not necessarily an easy thing to do like to to perform on the camera and I was like oh yeah that's why I do what I do in in the sense of oh yeah like I forget that everyone's not quite a big personality and you know super confident in, and finds it quite easy to be in front of a camera you know I forget that people get nervous and shy and of course they do of course they do it's not their job you know they don't have to do that but I forget tangent number one is that the real with a weird like Italian sound and a little bit yes see I'm, I've mixed feelings about that you, it will go around in your head <laughs> oh it will go in your head so bad and then someone told me that the Italian sound is actually and like me you can verify this fab that the actual point of it is meant to say like to be like what the f I don't know if you saw on this <laughs> podcast but um as I was doing it's like a fun thing but yeah getting people to kind of like be expressive and if uh, people are listening I'm doing big Italian gestures what I consider to be Italian gestures once again Fab can completely correct me and it was very much like this because like a much smaller con- compact controlled version because not everyone's kind of like in touch with their body and their physicality and it was just it was just really interesting to kind of yeah, observe. <laughs> it's an excellent example. I think I'm gonna glass over the like some of the stereotypes that get on, especially with the song itself. But it's quite a funny one, and also thinking it's in dialect, so it's not my my dialect, if that makes sense. Which is almost like a language. Oh. That's why it's, it's not easy to understand. Um, so, but it's it's kind of funny. 
Uh, so yeah, you can watch it out on um, on Tally's uh, Instagram if you want to see what we're talking about. But what I love there, I think, is a great reminder, especially for people that maybe do want to obviously make an impact online and show and show up online. And they see people, as you say, they either are more confident and comfortable with showing up and in a way performing. Thinking about reels, you have to perform sometimes. It is performing. It, it is totally performing. It's acting. It's, it depends what you're doing. If you're doing like a silly mime along, dancing kind of thing, it's completely performing. It's acting, it's performing. And that's half the fun. But I recognize that that, does, that doesn't feel natural for people. But it's really also a fantastic opportunity to show your personality. And your personality might not be big and outgoing. And that's okay. I think it's nice to see, I think people relate to the people they relate to. And, and some, they're going to relate to people who are more shy, who whatever but I do think it's a fantastic opportunity for people to get to know you and that's so powerful in whatever kind of line of work you're in when people know you they feel connected to you and then they take on board what you're actually saying now Tally we need to get to the last icebreaker question because this was still the icebreaker questions we got we're getting there it's, oh okay okay we've got a massive it's tangent. fine it's fine I, I'm, a, I'm a woman of tangents so if I, if I meet somebody who's my match dear listener we're gonna be here for a while <laughs> But I'm joking. But um, to be honest, it's kind of related to this. So we're kind of leading into like other things we're going to be talking about today, which is what does making an impact mean to you, Tally, and why? Well, I think professionally making an impact for me means making a difference in the fitness space that I work in and, and the industry I work in because there are things that I disagree with within the fitness space there are things I wish were different so that you know people could avoid making the same mistakes I have done in the past and so for me making impact is is really doing that challenging the narratives within fitness and you know being recognized for that and I I feel really fortunate that I do feel recognized for that I do feel like I am making an impact you know it's not just me and totally recognize that but I also but I'm proud that I've kind of pivoted over time to to fully understand what my passion and purpose is and why what I want to do in the industry I work in and how I can do that and I'm grateful to have the platform to do that and I I really believe I'm starting to use that platform in the best way I can to yeah to make an impact. I love that because I think it really touches on a lot of things I was thinking about before our conversation. And obviously, as, as we said at the beginning, I've mean, known you for a while. Like, I think a lot of us have shifted a lot and pivoted, even just in the last two years. But especially as a very dormant fitness professional, you know, when I did my little PT and did one year of it. But still, I was, I did that and I, and I actually practiced as a PT for only a year. And in that year, the narrative, the expectations, uh, also as a professional, not just for your clients, was completely and wildly different than what it is right now. And I think for professionals, especially in the fitness industry, and that kind of leads to a question, who have been maybe like around for a while or been practicing for a while, been trying to shift, I think sometimes they might get a bit confused or overwhelmed because a lot of things have changed for the better. Some things have changed and that's kind of the full stop. But, you know, I think everybody's been prompted to actually change and shift a lot because of, thankfully, some things have been left behind and uh, some and some conversations now can be had eventually, you know, with people actually willing to listen. 
So that leads me to a question. That was a big thought. <laughs> but it leads me to a question which kind of highlights what you mentioned earlier when you said about making an impact, which is there might be a lot of things. So this might be a bit of a tricky question, but can you think of something that currently, you know, in the current narrative within the fitness industry, you disagree with and why? Something that, ha- that maybe is more about right now than maybe some of the beliefs we had a couple of years ago. I think the biggest, one of the biggest things I want to challenge is this idea that fitness has a look and that people who are fit look a certain way. And I think that's only been reinforced through the cover of fitness magazines for decades. We've seen a certain body type on those covers that are often very lean, very visible muscles. And so we associate fitness with thinness and and having that kind of low body fat percentage and lean muscles like visible muscles um or maybe it's like a certain at the moment you know it's been a big butt like that's been associated with fitness right and I think by pursuing that look for so many people they feel and and for so many people feeling like they'll never achieve that they feel like, oh, well, what's the point of exercising if I'm never gonna look like the fitness model? Like there's no place in this. Or people feel really put off and be like, well, exercises for people who look like on the cover of Women's Health, that's not for me. Like I don't belong in that space. And I think what one of the biggest narratives I wanna challenge is that fitness isn't a look, it's a feeling. It's literally to do with what you're physically able to do. And you know, people in all sorts of different body shapes and sizes are moving their bodies and they're being physically active and they're exercising and they're doing all sorts of things. And there are so many representations of what fitness is. And there are also so many ways to move your body. And it doesn't just have to be the gym. It doesn't just have to be weights. It doesn't just have to be HIIT training. You know, it could be hiking. It could be kayaking. It can be dancing. It can be, um, you know, rollerblading it can be so many different things and I think when people know that it takes an enormous amount of pressure off and then they can find a way to incorporate movement into their life that works for them and makes them feel good rather than feeling like you're constantly falling short of this body that we're all meant to try and attain that is not realistic for you know probably 95% of the population. Um, I did pull that statistic from my head. (laughs) But, you know, for the vast majority of people, um, we're not gonna look like the Instagram models and the fitness models, and nor should we be putting that pressure on ourselves. So that's one of the biggest narratives I wanna challenge. And then there's a whole bigger conversation around that, that in pursuing that certain body standard, we are you know, not listening to our own bodies, we're not trusting ourselves, we're not doing the right things for us, we're constantly, you know, feeling the pressure to buy into diet culture-based narratives that say, do this plan to drop this dress size in 12 weeks and you can have this after photo too. And through that process and a lot of the feedback I get from people I talk to is that often those methods lead to a really unhappy relationship with themselves, with their body, with movement. They feel quite burned almost from exercise. Like the fitness world can feel a, can feel like it's been tough on them. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big, big conversation. So feel free to pick up where I left off there because I too can give lots of thoughts. <laughs> no, and I love that. And I think 
you know, I'm, I'm almost wondering, like, because we can take it on different directions. Before we go to the positives, I also want to ask about the positives. You know, it's always good. But I want to mm. kind of, like, dive deeper, a tiny bit more into this. And I'm thinking, especially as it's something that, again, you're not just you want to change the narrative around, but also then there's an element of leading by example in the way that making the conscious choices. Mm. I wanted to ask you for action. First of all, I'm going to give uh, kudos to Tally because um, we had you on the cover, one of our magazines, actually, and we got some of the pictures from that. And I love the fact that even for all of your books and your journal, you had such a great variety of people and especially women, obviously with women. So, and it was lovely to see all these different bodies kind of celebrated, especially as part of, of the mission of the book. So first of all, but then it goes with a question, which is how can we maybe support or give ideas or, or kind of like help some of the fitness professionals that are like, actually maybe with realization or without realizing I have been stuck in a rut or I haven't been able to actually mm. kind of make, give justice to some of these thoughts. What could they do? What are some things that maybe you consciously have done or have unlearned almost in order to be able to do that so that other people can do the same? A big question because it's one of those things. So the reason I've wanted to make this change in the fitness space is because I've gone on a very personal journey that's definitely seeped into my professional world as well. And for me, that was going on a journey of discovering health and fitness, wanting to get fit and healthy, but that very soon developing into a really disordered relationship with food, with my body, with exercise. And, you know, even when I was in that disordered mindset, becoming a personal trainer thinking that I lost a ton of weight I can help others too I crack the code I'm going to help others do the same because I can save everyone and you know I went into it with good intentions in a very well-meaning way both personally and professionally and even when I qualified as a personal trainer you know I I had these thoughts about what I was going to do for people I could help people you know break the cycle you know, make the change. And in some ways I still feel like that, but just in a different perspective. But what I was doing was I, when I became a personal trainer over seven years ago now, I was repeating the narratives I had learned, not only doing, you know, in my own fitness journey and my own research, but also on the personal training course that I did, you know, the fact that it often centered, you know, there's a, there's a huge assumptions within fitness education, or at least there have been probably for the last couple of decades, that when people are exercising, they're going to be exercising to lose weight. And to be a successful personal trainer, you have to make sure that people lose weight and you have to have these visible before and after transformation photos to market your services, to prove that you're good at your job and to get people to buy into what you're doing. And that is kind of the baseline. That's where most people are working at because it's what's taught. I don't blame people for thinking that because it's so dominant in the fitness space that fitness is a look. And so I, funnily enough, never did before and after photos and transformations with my clients. And I'm not 100% sure why. I think I naturally gravitated towards helping people wanting to learn how to lift weights, to wanting to teach people to, you know, especially um, women to feel more comfortable and confident in that environment, I think, because that's something I could really relate to as well. But when I met a lot of the trainers I was working with and a lot of people I have met on my journey um, as a fitness personal trainer and a fitness instructor is I met a lot of other people, a lot of people who all have their own relationships with food, with body, with exercise and 
a lot of that gets projected onto the people they're working with. We also learn a ton of stuff about how to best work with people. And like I said, that is through like learning to market that transformation process and that being a big part of what makes you good at your job. And so to challenge the narrative that firstly, fitness doesn't have to look a certain way and that you can help your clients to get fitter and stronger without them stepping on the scales. Like you don't need to know how much they weigh to help people you know, do their first press up or to learn how to do a deadlift. I mean, you know, Fab, like you don't need, that's not a necessary part. You don't need to get body fat calipers out to know if someone, you know, can squat. Like that's not part of the job. Te- like really, they're actually separate things and yet they're so enmeshed in in the fitness space. They're so considered the same. The lines are so blurred. I think what we need to do as an industry is listen to our clients, listen to our customers. And a lot of people will go to personal trainers, you know, I'm thinking of personal trainers going, but yeah, but my clients ask me to help them lose weight. They want to drop a dress size. Ask them why, why do you want to do that? What's the deeper, deeper reason? I think a lot of people go to trainers work working you know go to a fitness class go to work with a personal trainer because they think the expectation is that they should lose weight for for what they're doing to be deemed successful but if you offer something different if you create um, a different environment as a professional and you invite someone in to work on fitness and you don't talk about their weight you don't talk about you know taking photos in their bra and pants and you just say okay how can I help you you know what you know how do you want to improve your fitness you know what do you want to get out of this um you can really help people create a more sustainable long-term relationship with movement beyond you know an eight-week transformation beyond the 12 weeks they sign up to it's and I don't know I think a lot of that comes down to the personal unlearning as the professional. You kind of have to challenge it yourself before you're able to work with clients in that way. And I know there are are a ton of fitness professionals out there who want to do things differently. They just didn't know that they could, that, that something's not quite sit right with them for a while, but there hasn't been an alternative. And I think the beauty of social media and the beauty of what I've been able to do with my platform and that I've been able to connect with other people doing similar things in the fitness space is that we finally have a bit of a voice to say like if you don't want to offer your clients a transformation program you don't have to and here's what you could do with them and equally empowering clients to say I don't want to do a transformation program I actually want to learn how to to deadlift that's all I want to do I just want to get strong I don't actually want to you know I don't want you to give me a meal plan I want to focus on my fitness and it's empowering both of those people in that relationship to communicate that you know I love that because it goes back to as you say is that two-way conversation which I appreciate where you're coming from especially again if anybody listening dear listener you are in the fitness industry and you have been going through the official sort of you know, like I, I did a personal training course myself and I agree with you. I was just thinking about it and I was thinking, yeah, there were some elements of obviously they teach you also how to help people improve their range of motion. But then, mm. as you say, like there's so much of the teaching that is still like, well, this is what people, this is what the people want. So this is how you can get them then. This is how you can teach them how to get that. And you're like, as you say, is that disconnect? Is it really what the people really want? And I, 
And why do people want that? Oh, why do they want that? Because that's all that's been marketed to them for the last 10, 20 years, 30 years. You know, we we have historically seen fitness being promoted through before and after photos, through this idea that when you get that after photo, you're happier, you're a better person, you're morally superior than that previous self that you once were. And isn't it's like, of course people are going to ask for it because that's what has they have seen is personal training. You know, that is what it's been shown as. There's not been much exposure to anything different. So are we trying to say that we're looking for our train happy PT certification coming up anytime soon? Funnily enough, I'm hopefully, I am working on it. I am working on it. Um, I'm yes I'm working on something that people can do hopefully a CPD course in intuitive movement specifically so that and this is still in very early stages so I don't know exactly what it's going to entail I'm going to find out I've got an email in my inbox to talk about it but this is something I want to achieve this year is a more formal qualification and process for personal trainers who want to operate differently to go and be able to do a course and say not only to themselves but to their clients like here I am I am actually doing something different and I think so many people are scared to say I'm gonna work you know I'm gonna work in a non-diet approach I'm not gonna you know that's not what I feel comfortable doing with my clients and I want to help them in this way but and people go like but I won't have any clients and I think actually that is that really sets you apart from 95% of the fitness industry when you actually take a stance on something and say, I won't shame your body. You don't have to report what you've eaten to me. You know, I won't put you on the scales. Actually, you open yourself up to a whole load of people who have felt put off and intimidated by those things and that, you know, need, you know, need guidance, need help to move, but haven't felt comfortable or confident to go for it before. So I'm hoping this creating a qualification and hopefully further qualifications will legitimize that and give people, you know, they can say like, well, this is what I do and I understand it and I've got this qualification in it and it's a thing. And that will really help, you know, like I say, make this more present in the industry. So Fingers crossed, it comes to fruition. <laughs> it will. And also, we didn't rehearse that in any way, shape, or form. I just thought about no, it. No, you didn't. And I was like, that would be great. That makes sense. But you know what? And I want to just add to that for, for any sort of kind of, again, for, for any sort of discipline or any sort of industry that actually is looking to make a change very briefly. So, we launched obviously the side project or marketing school, I talked a few times about it on this podcast as well, which is a certification for marketers. And it's a six-week certification all about marketers making a positive impact, so a different way to market. And it literally came from what you just said. And I want to say this because, as you say, it can be hard sometimes to feel, but what if I want to do things differently? What if I don't want to just learn the things that everybody teaches me and I want to have that confidence that I'm not the only one and that actually people are there for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very special what you're doing. Not going to lie to you, Tally, it's a hell of a lot of work. Trust me, I just did that. Um, it's worth it because you really create something that sets things apart. And I think we need a lot more of that right now because it's great to give people the knowledge, but it's also that support and level of confidence that you can give, especially to trainers of any kind of, PT, like any sort of fitness instructors, 
to have that confidence that sets them apart more in the mindset piece or in the relationship skills mm. with their clients mm. than necessarily, as you say, how to deadlift. It's like, okay, we know that. But it's all these little extra elements, these other skills that can really strengthen the message they want to amplify. So well done. Thanks. Thanks. It's a work in progress, but I'm proud of where we've got to at this point and you know, there's more to do, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. I wanted to ask you about positives. I want to go back to the positive. As I said, we talked about some of the mm. challenges. Now we talked about one positive thing that's coming, but also could you talked about positives, especially as social media helped with spreading this message. And, and I wanted to ask you, what were some of the highlights, especially in the last couple of years, as we changed, everything pivoted, our content even changed when it came to really being able to connect with people in a new way and especially with, let's say, the clients, the the people that wanted to kind of train differently. How did social media help you with that specifically? I think social media has connected me to, well, firstly, so intuitive movement that I talk about and I've written about it in my book, Train Happy, and I have the Train Happy Journal, talk about it on the Train Happy podcast. All of that stems from the framework of intuitive eating and I don't know how I would have been exposed to intuitive eating without social media so that's something I found through people I connected with online who introduced it to me and that kind of sent a massive domino effect into all the events that have led to us speaking today and so there's that part of it. Secondly I've been able to connect with other trainers who who resonate with intuitive eating, who resonate with intuitive movement, who, you know, consider themselves wanting to move away from diet culture, might label themselves anti-diet. I personally don't necessarily use the label anti-diet, even though I'm very sympathetic to it. I like to talk about what I'm for rather than what I'm against, but I am against diet culture and I do, you know, first say I'm anti-diet culture. I think that really kind of shows that you're anti a system rather than a person and it's, you know, and I, I want to make that clear. And so I was able to find that whole community and find a ton of people I could talk to. I've met researchers, I've spoken, I've been, you know, I've done trainings, I've done all sorts because I've met people online and connected with who have, you know, maybe pointed me in the right direction at certain points, who have questioned things, challenged things, they've raised their own thoughts about certain certain perspectives, which have, have made me rethink my positions on certain things and it's that has been really good for me to grow as a trainer to grow into this work and develop my message and then in terms of communicating that message to people I think I without having the platform that I do without having social media which I have built up long before I was necessarily you know writing train happy and focusing on intuitive movement you know this has been eight, nine years in the making, I think now, I've been able to create an environment and people have been able to signpost other people to me as being a key resource in this area, as being someone who has a podcast discussing this whole topic, who has a books to talk about, who will regularly discuss it in their content. And so through that, people have, you know, I regularly get messages of people saying like, wow I didn't know there was another way and you showed me there was another way you know and to me that is everything because 
I don't want to necessarily shame people and say, you, you can't ever go on a diet and you can't do this. Like you can do whatever you want with your body, but you need to know that you have a choice. You need to be able to make an informed choice. And, you know, this might be the right path for you, but you may have never known that it existed. So for me, that's been the really powerful part um and with the way that social media keeps growing and evolving it's been forcing me to keep up like like I said I've been around now on Instagram for like nine eight nine years so I've seen it all and I'm having to keep up every day I'm on TikTok all the time probably too much time definitely too much time on there but it's forcing me to TikTok especially is getting me outside of the nice little bubble I've built up on maybe Instagram and it's showing me that there's still so much work in bringing this to oh the masses and you know social media exposes you to where other people are at so that you know where you need to pitch your content to and and who might benefit from what you're what you're saying and that's been really helpful as well plus the open dialogue with people through messaging and and I you know I, t- I take a lot of you know I, t- I love having conversations with people in my messages and that really orients a lot of where my work goes through that interaction so that's been amazing too you basically share with us lots of goodness but you also shared some interesting perspective on social media that i talk to marketers sometimes about of 10 years and i haven't figured it out yet so just put it out there (laughs) always it's always changing the goalposts on instagram specifically are always moving and if you think you've cracked the code, you haven't because the code will change in the next six months. But that's part of the fun. That's part of the charm. <laughs> you have to just keep growing. And I think, you know, it challenges me as a creator to find new, fun, engaging ways to communicate the message. The message doesn't change for me, but it's just how I can communicate it, right? If I can communicate it through a silly dance, then amazing. If I can create an infographic wonderful if I you know can now add clickable links and you can go and read about things further amazing but it's just yeah keeping up to date with with what what the best way is to I suppose keeping up to date with the way that people are going to best consume what you're doing and right now people have got short attention spans so I think keeping it concise and clear and fun and engaging can be really a great way to to reach a a bigger audience than the one you might already have, I think. And reaching those people who, like I said, may need to hear that there's a different way, but don't know it yet. You raised one more. I'm going to touch on that point again. I just raised one very important point. I don't want to, again, go too much of a tangent down. Then I get excited. This is my jam. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. But no, you raised an excellent point when it comes to, I think, especially as as creators and as entrepreneurs, and we're the solo podcast with my friend Amy. We do it monthly. So, dear listener, send your questions if you want us to answer them. But we're talking about how can I show up best, feeling confident and comfortable, and how can I get myself to show up? And it's an element of understanding, as you say, the combination between what your audience wants, but also where you feel comfortable and understanding that different platforms right now are going to serve themselves for different types of formats. So whether you like it or not, video is now on Instagram is a big part of it. So you kind of want to start getting into that. TikTok is also really good for video. And that's why I love that overlap. I feel, as you said, if you have the personality that really enjoys and finds it easy, is the same format. 
with slightly different ways, with slightly different audiences, but it really helps. And I find when we think about it a bit more strategically, instead of literally chasing the next trend all the time, cut ourselves a bit more slack because it's a lot. And obviously on top of that, as you say, you write the books or you work with clients or you do other things. And I think it's important, as you say, to find that middle balance and also be open to the fact that things will change and not get frustrated around them too. So I just wanted to add that because I know there's a struggle for a lot of people. It can feel, like I said, it feels like the goalposts are always moving and sometimes it takes a little while to catch up. <laughs> and I felt that, but you'll get there in the end. Tally, I have one more question. And then we shall close out with this question. The one that I ask everyone and I've asked for over a hundred episodes. Tally, if you could have one person that you could invite for brunch, dead or alive, who would this person be and why? Oh, that's a tough one. There there are so many people. There are so many people. I think it would be Michelle Obama. I love her. I would love to just have lunch with her, become her friend. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much again, Dali, for sharing all the wisdom, for going off tangents with me. Always appreciate that. Uh, I need people, I need more people to go off tangents with me. And thank you so much for all the hard work and especially the mission that you are doing and carrying out. It means so much to be able to really change the narratives in the in the industry, especially right now. So thank you for that. If people want to find out more about that, obviously, where shall we now direct them? Give us a couple of hotspots we should check out or things we should check out. Well, thank you. And I really appreciate all your support of my work, Fab, in general. And it's been really appreciated. So you can find me on Instagram at Tally Rye. I'm also on TikTok at Tally Rye. And you can read more about intuitive movement and about shifting your mindset around exercise in my book, Train Happy. And most recently, I released the Train Happy Journal, which is like a 30-day journaling challenge to help you make that mindset shift mindset shift like really practically do it so train happy the book is like the why and the journal is like the how to and you can listen to the podcast the train happy podcast where we continue to have these conversations and really dig deep on people's relationship with movement with food and with their bodies and yeah there's there's so many places now there's so many places (laughs) thank you so much for listening don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpactco. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.